0: Welcome in, everybody, to the flagship podcast. I am Chip Brown of Horns247.com, joined by our fearless leader. She's back from her vacation, looking happy and rested. The one and only Taylor Estes. Taylor, how are you doing?
1: I'm good. Um... Feels good to be back with you, Chip. It was a, a long vacation, but definitely a good one. And it sounds like I didn't miss too much, right? I mean, <laughs> slow and nothing going on around Texas time. So wow. <laughs> obviously joking about that.
0: Right. I mean, we'll just get right into it because there's, I mean, we're still in the midst of it. We're recording on Tuesday and everybody in college football, college athletics is now um, Looking into the transfer portal and wondering what the bleep is going on because we've had um, some significant developments. Obviously, Jordan Addison, the receiver from Pitt, uh, sort of uh, ignited this um, this heightened awareness of how how NIL money is being used, um, and it's certainly not the intent of what um, the legislation that was passed a year ago, um, you know, had in mind when suddenly schools or their collectives and look, the coaching staff of that school has to be in on it to some degree because a collective at USC is not just going to reach out to Jordan Addison at Pitt, the Bletnikoff award-winning receiver and say, Hey, how about you come to USC? We'll pay you X amount of dollars without. Lincoln Riley, knowing what's going on. And so we've got this, this free agency that's happening and it's impacted Texas. Um, Schools came after some of uh, Texas's top players, including Xavier Worthy and Jade Barron. And Xavier Worthy uh, sort of made it clear that he's staying at Texas, but you know, it can take up to 48 hours for a name to appear in the transfer portal and Texas fans are, you know, kind of counting down the the minutes to see if Jade Barron's name is or is not going to show up in the portal, Taylor. And this is uh, this is alarming for for college athletics. Uh, school administrators are on the phone talking to each other and they better come up with something because the leadership. Uh, at right now in college athletics is as disjointed as I've ever seen it. And part of that is because of what happened last summer with Greg Sankey and the sec, um, you know, luring Texas and Oklahoma from the big 12 to the sec. There's just not a lot of trust among uh, college athletics leadership right now at a time where they need to come together and try to figure out what to do about NIL.
1: Yeah. In the NCAA, remains just basically sitting on its hands watching this all go down and it's it what is alarming to me chip is the whole tampering aspect i mean that's something that the ncaa can control and i know that they do not want to touch anything when it in regards to nil i mean obviously you know the the proposition for nil happened what like two or three years ago almost now and it took until the 11th hour of the deadline for the NCAA to be like okay well we'll do this and still like give no guidelines you know their their fear of being sued is one thing but they can control tampering and you're seeing that all over college athletics because you're right I mean let's be honest there's no way that a collective at USC just led the charge in getting the Blitnikov to enter the litnikoff award winner excuse me to enter the transfer portal and transferred usc without lincoln riley saying hey go get that guy for us and tell him we'll pay him three million dollars and that's tampering 101 and i think it's it should be alarming for all college all of college athletics honestly but the one thing is kind of like, what is the NCAA doing? Just cashing checks is basically what they're doing. And if if the coaches and the administrators at these universities really wanna put their foot down, it's time to break away from the NCAA, in my opinion, especially from the college football um, perspective of it.
0: Yeah, I mean, you look at Mark Emmert, who's now announced that he's leaving um, as president.
1: some wonders, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, and
0: the fact that he's staying until 2023, this is this doesn't help because Mark Emmert and to be clear the NCAA is all of the you know Division one schools made up into one group and we've had the, the Power five basically uh, get their own allowances from the, the NCAA uh, Division one Council. but you're still not getting clear leadership across the board because you've got commissioners of each conference who look out for the best interests of their member schools, not necessarily what's in the best interest of the other power five schools, but now this is affecting all the power five schools. And, and so you've got athletic directors talking to each other. You've got uh, athletic directors talking to their conference commissioner in the big 12. You've got Bob Bowlesby, uh stepping down. Um, so, it's the the leadership in college athletics is in flux at a time where everybody sees that there's no one guarding the cookie jar and everybody's going for the cookie jar. And look, these collectives are out raising money. Texas's Clarkfield Collective, I've written about in the Insider, they have a goal of 125 million dollars, and they've raised. You know between 20 and 40 million dollars already but they're trying to do things you know like the pancake factory and the clarkfield collective and horns with heart are working together and they're trying to come up with ways that student athletes earn money while doing something good right whether it's charitable work or whatever when it elevates to just plain hey, come here and we'll give you $3 million in NIL money, it's free agency. Yeah,
1: it's pay-for-play. It's it's pay-for-play.
0: And that's always been against the rules. And you're right. The NCAA has been scared to death to touch regulating NIL because they don't want an antitrust lawsuit. And now the fear of that antitrust lawsuit has led to this. Mm -hmm. And this should get the presidents going. This should get uh, the presidents on the phone with their conference commissioners and other presidents. The Power Five has to work together. I've said this for you know almost 10 years that w- we have the most disjointed system with each conference negotiating their media rights and trying to get over on the other conference, stealing schools from other conferences. <clears throat> the top schools in the Power Five have got to work together like the NFL. And we're getting closer to this, but I don't know that we have the right people in place uh, to bring those schools together right now. And, you know, everyone thought it might be Greg Sankey, who would be the college football commissioner. Now he's seen as, you know, duplicitous because he was looking right in the face of the other conference commissioners, knowing that he was going to try and bring Texas and Oklahoma into the SEC. So no one trusts him. And then you saw this alliance formed between the Pac-12, the ACC, and the Big Ten. Now we're going to have an expanded college football playoff pushed to at least 2026 when it looked like there might be a chance it could happen before 2025. And that's because of the lack of trust going on between the highest leadership in college athletics, especially college football, which pays all the bills for most athletic departments. And, And so... You know this is a this is a, a crossroad for, for college athletics and we'll see what all these phone calls right now uh you know will produce i don't know that we can get uh you know legislation through before the 22 23 school year it might be until january or god forbid later because you just don't want another recruiting cycle uh to go through with this this quasi-free agency.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And Chip, you mentioned, you know, this kind of started last summer with um with uh Greg Sankey, you know, going and poaching Texas and Oklahoma from the Big 12 to the SEC. I kind of think that the the distrust among the power five commissioners especially started in the summer of 2020, you know, when when COVID was going on and the the commissioners are work were on the phone all the time. And then You know, they all kind of had an agreement in place to hold off on changing anything with the football season. And then Kevin Warren, the Big Ten commissioner, just shuts it all down. And then Pac 12 follows. And the rest of them were kind of on their heels like, wait, this was not what we just discussed today on our conference call. I really think that this is where the distrust among the leadership started. I think it really was in 2020 prior to the NIL stuff. And this has just put fuel on the fire. And you know, I I think that I agree with you. I think that there needs to be new leadership at a lot of these conferences. Honestly, starting with the Big Ten, I thought that Kevin Warren was you know ill-equipped for the job. And then when he did that in 2020, it, you know, he has the schools begging to play in the college football season, and it's like there was no rhyme or reason for what he was doing at that point. It was just to make a, a statement. I think you know in his first year as a conference commissioner. And, you know, he's not the only one. And, you know, now the Big 12 is on the lookout for a new commissioner as well with Bob Bolsby announcing his intentions to step down. So there's just a lot of changes that are coming regardless if you want it or not. And I think that there needs to be more changes at the top of these leaders because if this is the way that the Power Five especially is running then this is, you know, we've been joking that the, you know, the transfer portal was the wild, wild west, then NIL is the wild, 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 wild west, basically. This is basically just throwing your arms up and being like, let's just watch this burn to the ground. And that's how I feel that these conference commissioners are really maybe not intentionally, you know, doing it, but their lack of actions and their lack of control and their lack of you know consistency and working together is leading to that and that's not good for anybody involved from you know schools to student athletes to fans to anyone that's just really not the ideal situation and i think it needs to stop sooner i mean stop the you know stop the the burn like you know control the burn here and right now it's just igniting this is this is alarming i think for all of college athletics especially college football
0: well and for football coaches you 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 can have players go into the portal without ever talking to the coach. They can go straight to the compliance office and say, I'd like to fill out the paperwork to go into the transfer portal. And, and then that's how the whole process gets started. And unless the coach has a good relationship with the compliance office or, you know, the right hand and left hand are, are communicating, um, you can have players, uh, go around the coach to, um, you know, get into the portal and possibly entertain an NIL offer from another school. This is making it, um, you know, and look, current players we've talked about the disparity in NIL within a locker room. You've got current players who may not have NIL deals and they're hearing about transfers coming in who are getting NIL money. Who haven't done nearly what they've done on the field and so they're saying well where's my nil money and the only way you get an nil money taylor it's like uh it's how you get a raise at your job is when someone else wants you yeah we'll get to you know Bo davis and and him becoming the fourth million dollar assistant at texas here in a minute but you you get um you know, you get a raise when someone else wants you, and and that's what is frightening about this whole situation because you've got schools that are just gonna go try and poach uh, players off of other rosters, and um, and there's no certainty, there's no roster certainty if this is happening, and if it's happening after signing day, after February, after spring football, and you're you know you're down to limited options then that what's going to happen if if a player gets taken from your roster you're going to go try and poach a player from another roster yeah and it's just going to turn into cannibalism and lack of trust and your product is going to be diminished significantly and you know it's funny 10 years ago i said that the power five should collectively come together market their media rights like the NFL. You'd have to lobby Congress to maintain the tax-exempt status for athletic departments, but that the schools should go ahead and provide a NIL stipend for all student-athletes of 5000 a semester. Mm-hmm. And if they would have done that, as the federal judge in the O'Bannon case said they should, that was later thrown out on appeal, you would have never gotten to this point, No. but schools didn't want to be proactive. They didn't want to be the ones to cut into their own budgets to handle the NIL situation. They deferred. The NCAA basically deferred back and said, hey, here's the bare minimum guidelines. Good luck. Yeah. And here we are.
1: Mm -hmm. And I think one thing that people aren't going to, you know, aren't really talking about right now, because it's all about focus on the student athletes is I think you're going to see a lot of good college football coaches bolt for the NFL if they get an opportunity to because they don't want to deal with this. I mean, you already have to re recruit, you know, your your team, your your room, your position, whatever it is, um, with the transfer portal. And now it's like, I mean, it is just no holds bar right now. And I think that you're going, if this doesn't, you know, maintain gets under control in any way, shape or form, you're going to see some very, very talented coaches, head coaches, assistant coaches, you name it down the personnel. People just leave and go for other opportunities, even if they have to take a pay cut because a lot of these college coaches, assistant coaches, especially get paid more um, than they would at with an NFL roster. And I really do think that you're going to see some quality coaches you know be willing to take that pay cut so that they don't have to deal with this because this is a headache in itself i mean recruiting in it on its own i mean these coaches are recruiting every single day they get like two to three weeks off a year tops and then they're working every single day they don't have a normal nine to five they're not you know they're coming in on the weekends even outside of football season they're meeting every single day outside of football season and then in football season you know sometimes they're sleeping in their offices because they're there so late And it's already, you know, a lot on these coaches and the coaching staff for recruiting in general. I really think that this could be a very detrimental thing to the quality of coaching and the quality of individuals that are leading these programs and leading these, you know, especially football programs um, and teams. I think you're going to see that diminish if this doesn't get under control. And that's something I don't think many people are even thinking of right now, but it's that's an alarming, um, you know, potential. And I think that you're going to see it more and more happen
0: yeah i mean if if it comes down to okay someone just poached a player off our roster we got to go poach a player off another roster you're asking these coaches now to be duplicitous to be um you know sabotaging Mm -hmm. uh their competitor and who's comfortable with that because you're trying to move up in an honorable way as a coach, you move up from an assistant, a position coach, to a coordinator, to a head coach. Mm -hmm. If, if it's about stealing players from other rosters, you're just creating a black list of, of coaches or, you know, I mean, my God, there was some guy who had his picture with, uh, uh, some guy named Eric silver, who, you know, posted a picture on Instagram with Marcus Washington and and jade baron and Xavier worthy and you know texas fans immediately were like okay this guy must be the guy who's orchestrating you know texas longhorns leaving the 40 acres because everybody is on guard they're all you know and this guy eric silver's running around saying it's not me this is from an autograph signing like a year ago and you know don't don't blame me and it's just just in a matter of weeks, this thing has gotten so heightened um, that, um, trust me, athletic directors are on the phone with each other. They're trying to sort through it. They're talking to their school lawyers and trying to put, come up with a plan. And the question is, who will listen to whom? Because we don't have a college football commissioner looking out for the, the top brands in college football. We have five different commissioners. are all trying to protect their own jobs taylor i've said this forever these commissioners get paid a lot of money and they don't they don't get paid to look out for the overall good of college athletics they get paid to look out for their media rights in their conference and they're trying to get the best deals possible not for the whole but for theirs and that's that's just a tough formula uh to work with
1: it's slimy it kind of is i mean to an extent you have to look at it like for what it is it's it's a slimy situation that is going on right now from the top of the leadership down to you know these uh people trying to poach players off of other teams by alluring them with money and as you mentioned that's not what nil was set to be it, it wasn't a pay for play that's what Nobody wanted pay for play. They wanted these guys to be able to profit on their own name, image, and likeness. And that is just, I mean, it's just, it's weird. And there's so many different ways that you can view it. You want, you know, I've always been a proponent of, I I think it's important that student athletes be able to profit off their name, image, and likeness. But what's going on right now, this is not what I think anybody would want. And um, if you really get down to the nitty gritty, it really could, destroy college football, which is such in college athletics in general, but especially college football, which is such a special sport in itself because of the fans, um, you know, the fanatics, you know, the, the people that want to hear about it 24 hours a day, seven days a week, regardless of the year, time of year, anything, that's what makes college football so special. And this is really starting to make me wonder if this is going to take away from the pageantry, the tradition, all of that, that people love about the sport.
0: Yeah, if they don't get it under control and get some some sanity into these guidelines, then uh, you're gonna have lawsuits. You're gonna have one school suing the you know suing the other, and um, it's it's gonna those are the headlines you're gonna be reading. And instead of hey, these two schools are scheduling each other in the non conference. Hey, these two schools are meeting in court today mm-hmm. uh, to determine if they if if school A was tampering to get a player from school B. And um, that's not where this needs to go. So um, Taylor, speaking of players in the transfer portal, Texas has um, had, uh, since Steve Sarkeesian met with players following the spring to, to let them know kind of where their standing is on the team, uh, Texas has had one, two, three, four, five, six players, uh, seven actually now with Marcus Washington. Um, enter the transfer por- portal, David Abiera, Myron Warren, Jaden Hullaby, Jordan Thomas, Dejon Harrison, and Calvante Dixon.
1: And, and so
0: you've it. got um, now 20 Longhorns who have entered the transfer portal since last year or since late last year. And that is uh, when you combine the 15 uh, players who left because uh, they were out of eligibility or were graduating or going to the NFL. That's 35 players who've left the roster since late last year, Taylor. That is a roster turnover of 41% uh, from the 85 scholarship uh, roster <laughs> from the 2021 season. That is astounding.
1: It uh, is Technically, it's 36 with Marcus Washington's name appearing today. Too
0: okay, makes it even
1: more, yeah. <laughs> Just yeah. to add more, you know, <laughs> let's make it accurate. to It's crazy, it's wild. I mean, absolutely, it's crazy.
0: And, and Steve Sarkeesian wanted this. I mean, he basically said in December, um, we could have 33 new faces, and Texas signed 28 freshmen, they've signed five transfers. Uh, but now it looks like <clears throat> it could go even higher 36 as you mentioned, and, and this is what Steve Sarkisian wants. He wants to build the roster in, in his image. He wants to get the numbers where he wants them. He didn't like how many receivers were on the team last year and how few offensive linemen there were. So he's brought in eight offensive linemen and uh, receivers are leaving like uh, by the minute. So <laughs> Everyone's wondering, oh my gosh, are we going to have any depth at receiver? Well, Steve Sarkeesian doesn't play many receivers. He plays the guys who are the most productive. And barring injury, he'd probably leave the same three or four guys out there all year, which is kind of what he did last year. And Marcus Washington was one of those guys who got in uh, because, you know, the injury to Jordan Whittington, the Josh Moore quitting the team, <coughs> you know, just after mid-season. And uh, and so now you've got, you know, Xavier Worthy, Jordan Whittington, uh, Isaiah Nair, and you've got a Jai Hall coming in from Alabama. And then you're waiting to see how Troy O'Meary, Brennan Thompson, Savion Red, how these guys, along with, um, you know, Casey Kane, Jaden Alexis, how they develop, but. This is going to be fascinating because um, it's a complete rebuild. There's no two ways about it.
1: Yeah. And this is a rebuild that obviously is going to be taking longer than, um, you know, one calendar year. I mean, we're into, what, May of 2022. Steve Sarkeesian was hired January of 2021. Um, You know, this is going to continue. And I think the other thing, too, with the receivers, I think you kind of got to look at what they're going to do with Jaleel Billingsley as well, because I think. You know he could kind of fit either the tight end, pass catching tight end, or a receiver um, type of role. But this is, you know, the the receiver group. You know, when you think about the depth, I think a lot of the questions that Texas fans are having right now is probably stemming from the Tom Herman era because Tom Herman's always rotated receivers almost to the point where you're like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> like, leave these guys on the field, let them get into a rhythm, let them, you know uh read the defenses like after just more than one freaking rep you know out there and so um it's a, it's a different philosophy i think it should be a welcome one because i remember you know we if you read a uh, horns 24 7 message board or read the game thread during games during the tom herman era people were like why are they taking these guys off the field let them like stay on so i think you know i, I think that a lot of the fear probably comes from that but at the same time it's like well you guys really wanted consistency and that's what you know steve Sarkeesian is trying to do and you know this is uh it's going to be interesting it's it's i would say the one thing you're you're kind of betting on a lot chip if you are betting on jordan whittington to be on the field because you know you hope for his sake i hope for his sake that he has a full healthy season but he has yet to have that since he enrolled at texas as an early enrollee as part of that 2019 signing class so you know, that I would say that's the one where you're like, oh, you'd rather have at least one quality backup option that could come in just because of what history has shown from him. You hope that doesn't you know, happen. And that's not the case. But still, I mean, that, I would say that would be the one that would be a depth concern for me. What, what are your thoughts on it?
0: Yeah. And Jordan Whittington saying now he's added two hours of conditioning each day to keep his body in shape um from you know yoga to hydrotherapy hot cold tubs all that stuff to you know really make sure that he's he's doing everything he can to take care of his body and and stay healthy and stay on the field now he broke his collarbone against Oklahoma last year and and that obviously is a different kind of injury but um yeah it's look guys get injured. And, and so uh, we know that that receiver position is absolutely critical. Uh, It's interesting. I've, I've heard, you know, Marcus Washington is a guy who actually got some attaboys from Steve Sarkeesian uh, coming out of spring during spring coming out of spring. Um, And I'm hearing keep an eye on Marcus Washington to Nebraska, where he might be reunited with his, you know, former quarterback, Casey Thompson and marcus washington was a good special teams player he blocked a punt against kansas last year he was a good blocker as a receiver but taylor as a pass catcher you didn't know what you were gonna get i mean i pointed this out in the morning brew today even in one of his best games he caught seven passes for 70 yards against baylor he dropped two contested catches late in, in the fourth quarter in Baylor territory, that could have changed that game. So y- you just never knew what you were going to get from Marcus Washington from a pass catching standpoint, and that, you know, as a guy who's going into his senior year, his fourth year, that that you just that's like way it takes too long. That's taking way too long to yeah. to get uh, to where coaches can can trust what you do. A a past catcher.
1: never know what you're going to get
0: right, right. And, and so you know people are like are you alarmed are you alarmed and i'm looking at the list of guys who've gone into the portal and and you know you've got you know jared Wiley. you know the guy who probably i liked the most is terrence cooks mm-hmm. young guy freshman um you know who showed up on special teams last year and and then took off, and I think he's a guy who could have developed into a into a good player. But the other, um, you know, the other um, players on that list, I don't think are guys you you miss that much.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: And Steve Sarkeesian needs to do this roster overhaul as quickly as possible because he's got a set amount of time to try to get this thing fixed. He's going to try and purge as many players as he can to get as many players in who you know, can help him get this thing turned as possible. And there are still no assurances. So I get what Steve Sarkeesian's doing. I don't blame him.
1: Oh, I don't blame him at all. I mean, as you mentioned, I mean, he's on the clock. You know what I mean? I mean, we haven't seen the the last two head coaches at Texas, you know, were gone before year five, Charlie year three. I mean, this is um, I guess Tom Herman would have been after year four, you know, I mean, this is you, we haven't seen a coach at Texas fulfill it, his contract, you know, and I don't even know how, I mean, I guess since Mac Brown's previous contract before he got fired, cause he got fired was still years left, um, you know, in 2013. But when you're at a place like that, that there's the one consistency has been coaching turnover, you have to do it quick. And I, I think Steve Sarkeesian is a smart enough guy to know that when he took this job, that he had a. limited time and a in a shorter leash i I think honestly tom herman thought that he was going to be you know able to extend it for as long as he wanted because they just fired you know they fired a legend coach and then they fired another coach three years after hiring him and then he you know i think that was his mindset when he came in that he's got this he's fine and then he gets fired after year four when he had successful seasons so you know um Steve Sarkisian definitely, I think, is on the clock and having to hurry this up with the roster overhaul. But I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing, Chip, because when you look at, you know, the NFL draft in Texas not having any players draft, I mean, that was pretty much expected. But the fact that it was expected is the alarming, you know, overall picture. There's all of these like headlines like Texas, you know, doesn't have any players draft. And it's like, if you cover Texas, you kind of knew that was going to happen. I mean, we had Josh Thompson on our podcast and he didn't seem, you know, very positive that he was going to be drafted. He was just looking for an opportunity. And so even the guy with the most potential to be drafted, I don't think was expecting it, but that's just the overall, you know, concern that should be around the state of the program. It wasn't on Steve Sarkeesian and his staff, you know, it's, I think that the reason why this has happened because of the turnover, both on the, you know, players on the roster, um, not panning out. And then the constant coaching turnover has led a lot of these guys to kind of hinder their development. And Steve Sarkeesian has to get it fixed and has to get it fixed Facts. So, you know, I, I don't blame, you know, Sark for the lack of NFL draft picks this year. I know some people, those are the headlines, you know, the Guys that are looking for the clicks. They're probably writing those headlines. It's not on him. I mean, this was an expected situation, and if that if if that should be the indication of what he actually took over more so than an indication on his ability to develop players, his and his staff's ability to develop these guys.
0: Yeah, um, yeah. It's uh, Texas won't have this issue next year because Bijan Robinson will be in the draft. But um, Taylor, before we we move off of football seven assistants, getting one year contract extensions this week. And the big winner, Bo Davis, the defensive line coach who not only gets a hundred thousand dollar raise. Well, he was the only coach who had his initial contract torn up and uh, is getting a raise from $900,000 to a million for the 2022 season. Ah, uh, the other assistants just had a year added to their contract with some a uh, seventy five thousand dollar raise, ranging to no raise, and uh, but Bo Davis uh, clearly got interest from another suitor uh, because that's how you get this kind of uh, pay raise and. Um, new well, contract. He's Favorite
1: too. I think, too, Chip. I mean, oh, after yeah. the Iowa State video came out, like, you know, anybody that thought that was going to be bad for him was far off because fans started eating him up, and you don't want to get, you don't want to let the fan favorite go.
0: Yeah. Um, AJ Milwee, uh, getting a $75,000 raise for his, uh, in his, uh, Uh, additional year that is being added to his contract. Jeff Banks and Blake Gideon, a $50,000 raise. Um, Tori Becton, $25,000 raise. And Terry Joseph and Jeff Choate, no raise. They will uh, carry their current salaries of $800,000 and $575,000, respectively. $800,000 is what Joseph makes. Uh, Jeff Choate, $575,000. So a lot of
1: money for a cornerbacks coach
0: yeah that cornerbacks
1: coach getting more money than a co-defensive coordinator is interesting
0: yeah well terry joseph um i don't know how they characterize that position he's like the secondary coach cornerbacks coach but yeah those two guys having their salaries held flat uh for the uh, additional year that they're getting for the 2023 season all right, Taylor. Um, oh, and Isaiah Hookfin. As I um, just real quick, uh, I reported in the Insider uh, previously that Isaiah Hookfin, the the offensive lineman, who was in a horrible motorcycle accident last December, but you know, despite um, fractured ribs, broken collarbone, lacerated spleen, a broken forearm, he you know, he's going to be okay, but it looks like he's going to finish his career at Texas on a medical scholarship. So add him, uh, to that roster turnover and, uh, and, uh, 41%. Yeah. Turnover. So
1: the it's, thing that with cool. him is you just thank God that he's okay. Like a yeah. lot, honestly, because as you mentioned, you know, when he posted pictures of the aftermath of that accident, it was enough that i think if you didn't know the outcome you probably would have assumed whoever was on the motorcycle did not survive and so you know it's unfortunate that his playing career will come to an end but there's more things to life than football and his life is more important than playing football and so that you know that's unfortunate for him but such a blessing too that he is able to have a medical scholarship and still is around um you know this university
0: yeah no doubt about it um Also make sure you check out this week's uh, flagship podcast interview with Fozzie Whitaker, Fozzie Whitaker, you know, speaking of no Longhorns getting drafted, Fozzie Whitaker, not only, um, didn't get drafted. He suffered a torn ACL late in his senior season, had to rehab, come all the way back and then fight his way, uh, to get an opportunity in the NFL and turned it into a, uh, a good NFL career he's getting an NFL pension and and then he and I go through each position and we we talk about the confidence level of each position on a scale of one to ten check it out it's I think it's really interesting I think Pazi had really interesting things to say um Taylor you ready for some love it or leave it
1: I am Chip before we get to love it or leave it we're going to take a very quick break but stick around because football talk never ends here on the flagship podcast and we may even throw in some baseball conversation and love it or leave it so stay tuned we will be right back if you ready for love it or leave it let's do it all righty my first one for you is love it or leave it something will be done about nil in terms of guidelines by the start of the 2022
0: 2023 school year i think you know i've I'm afraid um, I'm going to have to leave this. I hope and that it ends up being the case. <clears throat> I just don't see how the leadership is going to come together uh, in a uniform way uh, to have something, um, you know, collective. But I do think there is urgency among all schools. You know, the, the PAC-12, if let's say this is going to be the precedent case, right? Everyone's going to look back and point to Jordan Addison. If he leaves Pitt and goes to USC for allegedly, you know, seven figures, then this is going to be the the tipping point case in NIL becoming quasi free agency that will spur action. The question is how, how quickly can everyone come to an agreement on this because everyone's afraid of the antitrust, uh, situation, but we are at good of the game status here. And if you don't take action, there's not going to be, uh, a college football that we recognize for these student athletes to enjoy the ability to earn money on their name, image, and likeness, because we're not going to recognize college football. So, I'm afraid I'm gonna to have to leave it, Taylor. I hope I'm wrong. How about you?
1: Yeah, um, I agree. I hope I'm wrong, but I'm I'm gonna leave it. I think, you know, um, with everything that you said, I totally agree with that. It's almost like this is turning into the Hunger Games a little bit, you know? It's like, you gotta take out whoever just to, you know, save yourself and that is not what I don't think anybody sees as a positive, you know, outlook of the future of college football. And so, while I think that there needs to be some guidelines in place, it's hard for me to put any trust right now um, into the 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 powers that be that are in charge of making those guidelines come to fruition. And so, you know, I think I think it will ultimately. I you you would hope it will ultimately happen, but with how you know, kind of, I don't want to say like. Um, Trying to think the right word to say at at odds, I guess you could say that a lot of these these uh, conference commissioners and and um, leaders at some of the top power five schools out there, um, there's just really no reason to have a faith that it's going to happen asap. I think that it's going to happen later, but I don't think it's going to happen sooner. And I hope I'm wrong. So I have to agree with you and say I'm going to leave that too.
0: Okay. All right, love it or leave it.
1: Continue, that's what. Yeah. I, <laughs> All right, love my second one. Two. What was okay? Love it or leave it. Texas having forty-one percent of its roster, thirty-six players, and twenty-one via the portal turn over from the twenty-twenty-one season to the twenty-twenty-two season is a good thing.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna love this. Um, as drastic as it sounds, and you know the idea of a kid getting a scholarship and and being able to graduate from that school, even if he's not a productive producer on the field, I think those days are gone, Taylor. I mean, it's um, it's big business and, and Steve Sarkeesian is paying for the recruiting mistakes of his predecessors by um, encouraging the guys who are not gonna be getting on the field to maybe look elsewhere uh, if they really want to play college football, and and that's what we're seeing. So, um, from a big business standpoint, I get it. And from Steve Sarkeesian, we just kind of talked about it, having you know two, three years with the patience or lack of patience that um, you know school leaders seem to have a lot of times because of pressure from their money donating fan base or their top alums their top boosters Um, at some point you've got to plant your flag and stick with a guy like texas did with mac brown who didn't win his first conference title until year eight um and it also was the year he won the national championship in 2005 but it's you know it it is a good thing right now for Steve Sarkeesian to be able to have a chance to rebuild this roster the way he wants it, and then be judged based on that roster, so I'm gonna I'm gonna love this, Taylor. How about you?
1: Yeah, I'm I'm gonna love it too. I think you know um, you've got to look at the the facts of it, and I think that Chris Del Conte obviously has gotten more um, you know attrition since then, but Chris Del Conte coming out with his statement fall, you know, during the football season in 2021, during Steve Sarkeesian's first year and pointing out how much roster attrition has impacted the first year of the Steve Sarkeesian era at Texas. That shouldn't, that shouldn't just be, you know, brushed under the rug. That, that was, you know, a very, um, intentional type of, um, statement, you know, because he, he it's the facts and that's the thing is a lot of times when things are going crazy and going haywire. Fans don't want to look at the facts. They just want to blame the person who is leading the team at the current time. And you have to look at everything that has led to, you know, what happened in year one for Steve Sarkisian. And clearly the the thing that Texas lacked the most of was talent. I mean, let's just be honest. They lacked a, a lot of talent um, because of roster attrition in, in some of the top signing classes, like the 2018 and 2019 signing classes that finished number three in the country um, in 24-7 sports composite. A lot of the players there were not on the roster and should have still been on the roster in 2021. So, you know, obviously there was a lack of talent on that roster. Steve Sarkeesian and his staff need to rebuild it and do it in a quick way um, because we've seen so many coaches, um, both head coaches and assistant coaches, get, you know, shown the door, shown the exit at Texas very quickly Um, in the recent decades. So yeah, I think that um, this is actually a good thing because this is going to give everybody an opportunity to truly um, make their, you know, statement or judgment or whatever you want to call it on Steve Sarkeesian as a head coach, because this is, you know, his first head coaching stop since um, his time at USC. So he's still kind of young in his head coaching career. And I think it's unfair to judge him off of his first season, just because of everything that, you know, Crystal Kane put in that letter out to Longhorn Nation and basically standing by his guy. Um, you know, I think that this is a good thing. I think it's good for coaches to get their opportunity to bring their own guys in. And Steve Sarkeesian obviously sees that this is an important in something, you know, important situation is something that needs to be done fast. And I think that's a positive thing um, for the future of Texas. You know, we'll see if it plays out, you know, it's kind of, TBD right now if this uh, actually does work out, but I think it, it's a good thing that Steve Sarkeesian is making an effort to bring in his own guys. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna love it too.
0: Yeah. Um, all right, Taylor. Here comes uh, love it or leave it number three.
1: All right, we're gonna. Shift Gears here and talk a little bit about Texas baseball. Love it or leave it. Texas baseball started the season at number 1 with visions of Omaha. Now the Longhorns are just hoping to make the postseason. Love it or leave it.
0: Um you know what? I'm going to love this. And as long as Texas just makes the postseason, they have a chance to kind of rekindle the magic that they showed at the beginning of the year. I'm just mystified from sort of week to week, what we're going to expect from this Texas pitching staff. And that's what's so frustrating Taylor in a year where Texas has shattered the team record for home runs in a season. um, They're at 86. The previous record was 81 set by the 2010 team. And you've got, you know, crazy home run power, uh, thanks to guys like Ivan Melendez and, um, you know, Trey Faltini and Murphy Staley. It's it's awesome to watch Texas at um, the plate. But what we saw last Sunday with Texas up seven to nothing after Lucas Gordon um, pitches for six innings, 11 strikeouts, he leaves the game um, with a 7-0 lead. And then Texas gives up ten runs on four hits in the in the seventh inning and loses ten to eight against Oklahoma State in what essentially was a series for first place in the Big Twelve was just um, you know potentially debilitating. I don't think this team will will you know just go into a shell. I think they'll rally. and they need to. They're going to West Virginia this weekend. West Virginia is a much better team than they've been. Um, it's a tough road series across the country, and and Texas has got to put it together from a pitching standpoint. I mean, their starting pitching isn't what it was at the beginning of the year. Um, obviously, Tanner Witt got hurt, uh, but you're starting to see some productive outings from Lucas Gordon, maybe even more productive than. What we've seen from you know pete hansen and tristan stevens the last couple starts it's just confounding but i'm gonna love that taylor how about you
1: yeah i mean i'm gonna love it too and i can't believe that we're actually talking about this chip i mean it, it's wild to me to think about you know entering the season the the pitching you know the bullpen look to be the strength um entering this 2022 season for texas baseball and has just dwindled so much. And, you know, when you talk about Lucas Gordon, you know, he, he I think he is probably performing at a much higher level than what people expected him to be performing at um, coming out of Tanner Witt's injury. You know, with Tanner Witt set to be that Sunday starter and he had the Tommy John surgery that ends his season. Um, I think Lucas Gordon has really answered the call in a positive way, but no one else is helping him. <laughs> he how do you, he pitched six full innings? on sunday and as you you know gave up three hits um did he i don't think did he have give up any runs no he didn't give up any runs nothing and then in the seventh they give up 10 runs. i mean it's just it's wild and that is you know what you hope doesn't happen right now is that the you know the lack of i guess um of depth in the bullpen to cause a friction among the team because i would be pretty pissed if i was lucas gordon like it would be hard for me not to be ripping on some of the guys that came in because you know he did his job he did what he was asked to do and then that it just goes out of control and haywire and then texas loses the series gets swept that was the first series big 12 series sweep that they gave up right yeah at least yeah i mean they lost some series but that was first time they were swept i mean this is not the time that you want to see that happen, um, especially as you mentioned with the you know kind of fighting for the Big 12 champion that series. And now Texas goes from um, I, I forget what their ranking was going into Oklahoma State series, but now they're unranked in the major college baseball polls. I mean, that is not what you want to see. So I think at this point, watching the, the way this is going, I think you have to just hope that Texas makes the postseason. So I'm going to agree with you and love that.
0: Yeah. I mean, um, we know Pete Hansen can, can get it done. We know Tristan Stevens can get it done. He led the big 12 in wins last year with 11. Um, but as we've talked about for most of the season, unfortunately, his power sinker ball isn't, you know, isn't, uh, sinking, uh, in, you know, pitching the contact and, And then the bullpen, we thought Travis Daly might be a a solid guy. You know, Luke Harrison, you've had different guys step up, but they've all struggled as well. And that's where it gets really tricky for David Pierce. So um, just make the postseason and and see what you can do once you get that new life in the postseason. Um, Okay, a ton of stuff going on. And... Make sure you check out this week's Insider. That's all I'm going to say. And make sure that you check out the interview podcast that we dropped on Monday with Fozzie Whitaker. One of the great stories in recent Texas football history. And thanks to everybody for listening to the flagship podcast today for Taylor Estes. I am Chip Brown. We'll see you over at horns247.com. And until next time, stay safe and keep the faith.